everybody. Welcome to This Week in Innovation. On today's show, I got a chance to talk with Fong Chen. She's founder and CEO of Link, a conversational CX automation platform built for retail that is focused on conversation and commerce. Her self-described focus is to create extraordinary customer experiences through conversation that span the customer lifecycle to grow revenue, reduce support costs, and increase sales conversions. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hey, Fong, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. It's um, glad to have you. It's, I think you're one of the first people we've interviewed actually from Silicon Valley. So it's nice to, it's nice to talk to some, you know, fellow Californian. Oh, that's good to know. I feel certainly honored. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we start by, by having you introduce yourself and tell us about your company and the problem that you're trying to solve. Absolutely. Uh, again, just thanks so much for the opportunity to be here to join this fast-growing uh, podcast audience. My name is Fang Cheng. I'm the founder and the CEO of Link. I actually came from a pretty deep technology background. I tend to call myself uh, really having a nerd inside. I actually had a PhD in quantitative field in particular. I co-founded a technology company previously, and that, that business to be acquired to Amazon. That's a little bit of background before my journey as entrepreneur to start. But in the past few years, I have been working with a team of fantastic technologists and product minds to build Link. So what is Link then? We are truly a next generation customer experience automation platform. We focus on primarily serving enterprise brands and with a solution that is one of the kind, giving a large brand, a powerful AI digital workforce uh, that can be deployed onto any communication channels that the brands like to serve or engage their customers. Now, this digital workforce truly functions as a first responder, founder, first responder, 24-7, always on, and delivers very effective services uh, and knows the customer, and more importantly, engage them throughout the research before you buy journey to help convert into sales. So that now, if you think about the space we're in as a next generation customer experience automation platform, it's truly a exciting space. But what problem drives the business to look into automation solutions for CX? I would say this um, problem statement itself over the past few years is an evolving target it's actually become a more and more important. When you look at any businesses that are serving everyday consumers, right? retail space brands and retailers are certainly at the center of it. Our industry is actually facing the biggest disruption, largely due to how consumer has evolved on both of their expectation to how they like to be served, the services quality, the experiences quality, to all the way to the everyday technologies enables them to access the information or communicate differently. And that is the fastest evolving space around the consumer tech, et cetera. That becomes the driving force to force businesses to react to their modern consumer, that their customer, they try to win and their loyalty uh, from. And if you look into all kinds of uh, reports out there focusing on what are the loyalty drivers these days for B2C businesses, you will find that the um, role uh, of product selection 
and even price placed in driving loyalty has been to some degree diminishing from being the number one driver. The number one driver for brands loyalty is more and more shifting towards customer. And then now if you peel the onion of customer experiences, you immediately think about the browsing experience we all have when we go to a brand's website. And the browsing experience become a space that's largely commoditized. There's a very mature platforms and solutions helping large businesses or small businesses to be able to create a, a fairly good and polished browsing uh, experience website. But the differentiating part of the opportunity piece really uh, lays within how a brand interacts uh, with their customers, especially in the moments of need when their customer reaching out for help. This be helping me to buy or I've had a transactional issue helping me to resolve them. Those type of interactions are what the browsing experience is really weak on. And there's not really good incumbent solutions to solve it for, but it's so critical in terms of driving the brand's loyalty, right? In fact, like 61% of the consumers out there switch where they buy from and based after a poor customer uh, service. That is just how critical now the experience that businesses offers up when their customer reaching out for help is critical to the loyalty factor and to the brand's longevity in terms of success. Yeah, so in that very space, Link is really about being the solution partner as well as a source of expertise for our clients in leveraging automation and self-service the right way to transform how they are serving their customers with the goal to both tackle the operational efficiency side of the challenge in meeting the demand, meeting the volume that they need to support um, a customer, but also to deliver the best-in-class customer experience actually increases, said, increases sales conversion. Can you give me, maybe walk me through a customer example? Where would I as a consumer use your technology? Where would a retailer start the process with you? Maybe actually put flesh and bones to, to your story. So take a, a, a example of the largest brand that we serve today, ranging from Levi's of the world, Paxson of the world, Carter's Outgosh, to brands across beauty verticals, home goods, etc. Like, why did it come to Lake? Very often, this brand sees a challenge of supporting customers just through their people work. And especially throughout the pandemic uh, crisis in the past uh, couple of years, brands see that what used to be considered maybe an innovation or very forward-looking initiative to explore the power of automation and AI, when it comes down to impacting customer experience, now it becomes table stake. You know, in particular, many of the brands starting out recognizing, oh, wow, I have a massive demand surge that customer reaching out for help, partially due to the surge in e-commerce or digital transactions, but also partially due to the complexities uh, involved in all kinds of uh, service needs, research before you buy, post-purchase uh, needs. The complexity also increases driving a massive increase in consumers reaching out to the brand. 
And two, I'm observing how the consumers uh, like to be uh, interact with our brand. They're not just uh, going out to the classic support channels, give you a 1-800 number, right? Maybe give you a web chat touch point. They will come to chat. They expect it to be 24-7. I don't have the luxury to offer 24-7 support through my people workforce because it's so cost prohibitive. Right. And two is like customer even go beyond those co- conventional support channels. They go to social network, Instagram, DM, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, two-way text messages. Those are channels that my conventional way of staffing my people workforce behind those channels is just uh, very clunky and cumbersome. And, and there is not a cost-effective way to do that. Right. Now comes with the demand surge. On the other side, the supply side, what I mean supply by how can I effectively scale my people workforce so that I can staff the right amount of agents and train the agents properly so they can effectively deliver services to take care of my customers. That part becomes ever more challenging. Uh, if you are at the C-suite um, uh, table, the boardroom, you will hear a lot about the staffing challenges, right? And the, the very fact of cost of hire or the ability to fill those roles in a timely manner, this has become a very challenging environment. When you have this kind of imbalance between demand and, and supply, it creates this perfect storm when it comes down to customer assistance. That very much drives the genesis of why brands are seeking out um, solutions to say, there is really no good solution if I just only bounce my uh, thinking in solving these challenges through my people workforce. Now, what is the future? The future really is that hybrid workforce, right? You have AI digital workforce and your people workforce. They work together to take care of the customer. Now, that's exactly the role Link plays. We enable this brand to have their own branded AI digital workforce. Now, when they partner with us, right away because of our solution, they can deploy a 24-7, always no break, highly trained workforce to any communication channels, such as their web chat, put an AI first responder onto my conventional live chat, enable us get onto two-way text messages, enable us get onto social. When when a customer reaching out on social network, AI first responder earlier, right away authenticate that customer knows who you are, has all the doubts of your dealing with our business, even beyond just the title, the social channel, but actually on our e-commerce sites, post-purchase, other interactions you had with us, with the wealth of knowledge of our service policy and even with the resolution capability, taking actions for you, getting things done for you, is equipped to this digital workforce and then get them to work. Now, this digital workforce essentially works 24-7, make the brands much more accessible to their customer base. And the one customer do reach out, much more effective assisting customer and only when necessary. This digital workforce knows how to bring the people workforce in, loop in and the, the, the experts to assist the customer together. Now, for the end user, they're just dealing with brands. But all in sudden, because of digital workforce, brands become much more accessible to their customer, become much more helpful to their customer, and um, the expert resource 
uh, delivered by the people workforce also become much more effective because the people agents now have a little helper, an effective AI first responder gathers tons of information before looping them in, even when that's necessary. And uh, when they come online with interactions with the end user, the customers, they're much more aware about who the customer is, their intent in driving the inquiry, so they can also be much more effective. So that together delivers ultimately the the best customer experience and uh, do so in a way that's actually scalable from operational efficiency perspective for the business. So that so that's really interesting. Um, how many places along my customer journey, me as a consumer, pick whatever retailer you want. I see, I see a ton of them on your website. How many places would I bump into one of one of your AI digital workforce people or whatever? The- <laughs> <laughs> I, I like you are because of yeah. them quote unquote people. Yeah. So I don't it's, know funny, you know that. It's a little scary <laughs> to even thinking about digital workforce. To be honest, <laughs> I call into a retailer from a call center, potentially a digital a digital workforce unit or uh, person or whatever. Help me with the term. So what am, what am I calling your AI digital workforce? So just a unit or what's the right term? Yeah, it's a great question, honestly. We use digital workforce as the umbrella term because for an organization, when you think about this, you, you always see people resources, technology resources. But the reason we call it the digital workforce is really you think of it as a, a workforce consists of digital workers that specialize in helping customers on different services, just like your people workforce, right? So you may have my overall customer assistance team consists of experts in troubleshooting transactional issues for customer, but also consists of experts in assisting customer to buy. This could be stylist for apparel brands, fashion brands. This could be product experts for electronics, hard goods, Right. This could be even design consultants uh, for if you're in the interior decoration home goods space. So we see people workforce consists of experts that um, specialize in helping customers on different things. If you're doing it right and writing an effective people workforce, you want the different teams uh, to work seamlessly together to help that customer. Right. Imagine you come into Nordstrom, right? And you, if you, your needs change and evolves, one department's uh, store associate can refer to you to a different uh, store associate peer to help you when your question evolves and to require that kind of expertise. Now, digital workforce is very similarly mirrored to that. Um, in our digital workforce, we offer digital workers that is very specialized. Uh, in assisting customers in resolving complex order issues, right? Not just where's my order, return, there's exchanges. There's exchanges tied to your specific reasons for return, so very tailored recommendation. There's product question assistance, promo code issue resolution, like a very promo code does not work, the welcome offer doesn't work, I need to resolve it so that I can buy. So. The digital workforce, it's, you can imagine it literally consists of digital workers that specialize in each of this area, but they're not siloed point solutions. The user doesn't have to go through a menu selection to say which digital worker I want to talk to. Instead, it's one seamless 
conversational experience because um, the orchestration of the entire conversational interaction is done by internally recalled um, arbiter. So think of there is a mastermind that orchestrates the entire digital workforce. So the different experts work in harmony to actually assist the, the customer. The end user should never even need to worry about where do I go uh, to get a call before my very needs at this very moment. And they just come in to interact through phone, through email, through chat, through social messaging, through text messages, whichever channel they prefer, right? The brands should be there. This digital workforce can interact with customers through any of these modern communication channels, but they bring the brain of the digital workforce ultimately to a channel agnostic layer. So regardless which channels the customer chooses to interact, the digital workforce actually understand your prior interactions, even those interactions happen in a different channel, right? The customer 360 benefits ultimately is part of this whole thing, as well as all the interaction experience is orchestrated completely in a channel agnostic way. And that's where the, the power start unleashes a single customer coming in. They can start with a singular need, and their needs may evolve as the conversation goes, the topic switch. But by the way, I also want to get the other things down, right? That's the value of having a single solution that truly scales across not only communication channel, but across the use cases that have expert digital work, different things. Okay, so a couple of questions. Well, probably a hundred questions, but let's start with <laughs> two. I noticed you don't use the word BOT. Is, that, is there a reason, and digital worker, is there a reason for that? Excellent question. <laughs> it's uh, definitely a conscious choice. The reason is that there are such mixed uh, reviews or feeling towards Bob, right? And uh, it's a very familiar term for years already. It's a term that's actually um, hyped very quickly when it's being re-energized through this whole conversational AI field emergence. Um, but the early generation solutions to power the bots, there are also technology solutions and the solutions that labels itself AI. But the word AI is being used for by the early generation of solutions, it's very shallow. It's primarily used to train and the AI so that it can understand the customer's intent, essentially identify the topics you're, or why you're reaching out for. And then from that point, there's not actually a lot of AI. Is what is there, the right solution capability, the response back um, to the users through the bot, delivered by the bot, are actually scripted dialogue flows, right? So the, there are many players uh, in the space, and many of them are really large companies, uh, incumbent solutions in the service cloud space, trying to add AI, trying to add automation into the mix because they do see the industry to reach the next level of um, productivity and the performance results. Automation has to be part of it. But most of those solutions are essentially using off-the-shelf and now new capability being packaged into the solution to identify topic from that point on is a tool for you to craft or script response template. 
Interesting. Now, what does that mean? It's a robotic and fairly rigid experience. So the bot is both the entity delivers the answer, but bot is also almost like the symbolic user experience you would envision as robotic, right? Rigid. And very often you still see some of the early generation bot experiences give you this kind of main menu-like experience, right? When you go, especially when you go off script, when the bot is asking you for certain things, but you say, Never mind, I don't want to do that. I want to do the other stuff. And switch topic. And that's where things start falling up. Where Link comes in is really representing a, a whole next-gen uh, conversational AI solution. We actually had patented the technology portfolio that together I would like to call it a no dialogue flow. The very conversation that's delivered through uh, Link's uh, digital AI work- workforce is conversational but not robotic. And it's not scripted. So that means if your business deploys the solution, you actually have far less overhead. You don't need to have, uh, spend the time to craft dialogue flows. You also don't have to have human resources and expert resources in designing conversations, right? And if, because the early generation solutions literally is that if you don't script this, the, the bots are not going to do that. You don't know what to say. But in Link the system, the digital workforce actually understand the goal. For every service that's automated through Link's system, the digital AI workforce understand the out goal, uh, um, and the outcome, the ultimate goal of what a right solution looks like. We basically abstract every single to say, hey, these are a number of information I either need to collect from you, the end user, the customer I'm serving, or I need to look it up right through the contact. I have access to. And then once I have all the information, I will take certain actions for you and get things done for you. Now, in the middle of the information collection, understand what you have told me and can I make inferences? Because between, um, beyond the spoken intent you literally have just said and provided to me, there may be unspoken intent I can infer. Things like, I want to return the sweaters I bought last week. I did not give it the, the digital customer service representative or human uh, representative my order ID. But based on the information you have about me, you should know what I bought last week. You should know I only bought one cashmere sweater, which one I'm referring to. Ideally, you don't have to ask me to say, go find your order ID, copy paste it precisely to me. Otherwise, I cannot help you. So we want our digital workforce to actually have the ability to infer beyond just understand the literal information provided by the user. And then ultimately, if I have to generate a dialogue to collect that information from the user, the AI is actually generating the dialogue on the flow. And, and, and what the AI choose to generate the conversation, it, could, it depends on what is the shortest path to collect all the information needed so that I can take action on behalf of the user. So... Dialogue is essentially no longer rigid, no longer scripted, but it's generated with a very clear optimization goal of delivering resolution, delivering the ultimate help uh, for the customer and uh, beyond taking full advantage of 
understanding and inference and the context the digital workforce has access to and only when necessary ask the customer to provide that information. Okay, so, so you become a very uh, fluid and natural actual interaction experience through conversation. So fascinating stuff. How much learning does each retailer need to teach the digital workforce? You've got, I mean, it's on your website. So you've got Levi's, Lamps Plus, Pure Formulas, just right off the top. And those are three radically different retailers. Lamps Plus, I mean, <laughs> lighting, wattage, electricity, apartments, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Levi's is fashion, which, you know, is in the eye of the beholder and all that sort of stuff. How much learning does each retailer need to do to teach your, their digital workforce about their business? Oh gosh, excellent question again. Like if as a technologist, as a entrepreneur building a business to solve this problem, the day one's goal is not to just develop a solution that tailor-made for a single customer, helping them to deliver the best results. When we look at this, we truly need to understand the nuances of the problem's complexity that we build a solution that actually scales. And the, just those names and, and customer names you have listed kind of shows you we serve very broadly within retail verticals. And the reason we could do that is we purpose into the AI solution the expertise to learn domain or brand-specific expertise. So say it again. So think of AI workforce knows how to learn from the brand specific expertise without the brands have to manually teach it use case by use case. I'll give you a what do I mean by that? This is a part that become really interesting. So if you think about it, like when you uh, think again, I use the people workforce analogy. When you interview someone coming in to um take care of customer, customer service, customer care, or like a stylist. And while I have this stylist who I want to feel, when I interview the customer candidates, I would say one candidate, A candidate, candidate B, both speak perfect English. So um, they would say, okay, they're, they are very communicative. They're great at communication, great personality fit for the job. But one has absolutely no idea, has never worked in retail and uh, no expertise in styling, style, closing, cuts, and so on. The other candidate that may be the first time to be in interviewing for a fashion uh, brand as a stylist, but he or she previously worked in retail that, and for years, that he knows how to study a catalog, product catalog, knows quick how to quickly pick up product knowledges by studying a catalog. So the playbook of studying or other knowledge base uh, to quickly self-learn and become an expert for that space is there, already being mastered by the second candidate. Which candidate is better suited for this job? Certainly, it's a second candidate. So now think about what Link provides to the um, brands in different verticals of retail it's really an expert digital worker that knows how to learn, right? So the expertise may not be out day one. Uh, the digital workforce we deploy for Levi's wouldn't know the words of 511 means a particular style of a gene, right? 
it's it, it's not a new, numerical number. Shouldn't be even read as five hundred and eleven, <laughs> right? And it should actually mean five one one. It's a style code, but also the style code uh, means it's mid right, it's straight legs, and it's a uh, stretchy material. Whatever the meaning of five one one style, but the it did not come out right. No. This level of very brand specific expertise. However, the digital workforce knows how to learn it if you give it a product catalog. So the moment you hook up a feed to our platform, this is the typical information brand provide to us. It's massively different than curate a script, product by product, question by question, right? Literally, um, crapped out. Instead, it's more about feeding it the raw knowledge source. The, the whole entire catalog, in fact, the catalog is changing every day, every hour. Now, the digital workforce knows how to study this massive catalog and quickly become experts. So without the Levi's um, uh, team having to literally tell you, if people ask for this, say this back, while the AI digital worker has no real knowledge, it just literally matches intents to an answer template. Now the AI digital workforce has expertise that knowing 511 knows how to read the catalog. Through the catalog, it automatically learns that 511 is a style code. And whenever I see this style code, I see other attributes such as this is a mid-rise, this the rise, the, the leg shapes for the jeans and the materials for the jeans. It's always such. Therefore, I actually learned about what 5.1 style. So that learning ability is really what differentiates link power digital workforce than the early generation bots. That's why we avoid to use the term bot. They're, they have certain um, pre-assumptions of this very robotic and scripted experience. And then now it's it truly a digital workforce that knows how to learn. And the brands want to use our solution. The requirement becomes... Uh, um, no longer script every little micro use case, um, but instead is feeding it the right data. And uh, by hooking up a few critical data feeds, the workforce knows how to mine those data feeds and stay on top of it. Because anytime it's updated, it's automatically learned, right? It's always fresh and, and then delivers those expertise through a very seamless conversational experience to the customers of this brand. So what does a retailer need from their systems to be able to take advantage of your, let's see, make sure I get that term correct, the CX automation platform? Mm -hmm. what, yeah. What do you need in um, place first? As mentioned earlier, the key advance of Link uh, solution really representing this new generation of CX automation solution, the key difference when it manifests itself into the results is not only a better assistance experience and a more effective automated resolution, but it's also um, the what it requires for brands to actually leverage automation effectively. The early generation solutions has a fairly high bar when it comes down to implementation requirements. Because again, everything needs to be scripted. So someone had to do those scripts, had to constantly maintain those. So you, you typically will see when organization want to use automation effectively, create a good experience across use cases, they almost have to have a role called conversation designer. 
And that role, not only just to do the learning implementations during onboarding phase, they have to constantly maintain it because catalog change, use cases change, new services being launched. They, they constantly have to uh, spend on those resources to even maintain the system right. So that's, now, that's, a, the, new, that's a new job inside a retailer. Um, that's a new job inside of the retailer and it's an expensive what, job. Yeah. What are the skills for that job? Is that a technical person or is that a... a that is someone typically have a great deal of technical acumen, but also have a user experience acumen. But here what we're talking about link type of solution is about we don't have to require that anymore. We don't have to require a conversation designer and, and you must have a work and uh, plus that you also have to integrate every single service resolution capability from tech stack perspective. If you want to get a return down, if you want to make sure your bot understand the customer's prior interaction context, every little connection you'd be, that'd be making data available to the bots, having the bots to be able to have um, ability to take action in the earlier generation of solutions, each one is explicit in integration, requires the business side to have a mature tech stack already on their end and had to be able to expose it in forms like API, et cetera, to integrate with the conversation layer so, you, so that you can script answer template to actually have a bot experience to take actions, right? So it's very expensive with earlier generation solution. Now, with link type of solution, one is because the vast majority of the conversation are actually orchestrated and generated by AI. So you don't have to have a dedicated resource or multiple resources just to constantly craft and maintain conversation scripts. You don't need that anymore. It's a massive relaxation in terms of requirements, but they actually get better results. Two is that because of the solution actually have complex data baked into the platform. It has ability to understand service actions and it doesn't really require the brand side to every single use case to do nearly as much of custom integration. Most typically out of the box, our customers will see north of 85 plus percent quite essential commerce-related service use cases being automated effectively all the way to a satisfactory resolution by link-powered digital workforce. And only about 15% of use cases, and those tend to be highly specific for the brand, that they can, through our automation builder tool, to expand the knowledge of the digital workforce and having control and the response experience that they can craft. But the balance is very different. With alternative, you will be like, hey, really starts with very little automation. Everything has to be scripted. Now to other bouts, you've got all the essential services across pre-purchase and post-purchase journey and tackled. And then the expansion much more focused on the areas of highly brand-specific use cases. And then you as a brand have controls for to expand the uh, digital workforce's expertise. Interesting. Out three years, how far do you think your digital workforce will get into a retailer? Clearly, text messaging, all that. Are we going to see you get all the way out to the sales floor? (laughs) Excellent question. 
we are already seeing a, num- a shift in number areas, which I want to call out for links growth three years out. I would say three primary axes are what we, we see tremendous growth. Number one is digital workforce that is truly capable in supporting global brands. Now, we're here talking about a digital workforce that speaks different languages, <laughs> right? And um, not only speaks different, different languages, it knows the truly globalized in its resolution capability. It, the full stack fully recognizes it's a single brand for my Germany region versus my UK region for my U- US region. These are regions even have different product catalog, even have a different service policy and different customer base. How do I, uh, as a global brand, partner with a automation solution partner that has a single solution to partner with, but able to deploy my digital workforce across the different regions and it's fully localized to serve that region's need, right? So that's a capability of Link today, but it's a huge growth potential access that we're going after. And I think we're just getting the farm started and then we see more and more global brands starting with a few really digitally savvy region to invest in automation. But once the benefit um, is proven, very quickly, they're asking the question, how do I actually deploy this digital workforce globally? Right, that requirements is quite extensive. It's uh, far beyond. Actually, a lot of times, okay, everyone understands you have to be able to speak the right language. Digital workforce has to be able to speak the right language. But the language piece is actually only a small slice of this whole requirement stack. So we're very excited that, that our solution has expanded to be able to support that. And then the growth um, potential in that particular access is massive. Number two areas of this is truly from a use case angle perspective, we uh, look at our past three years growth journey has a lot to do with starting with some of the really transactional or post-transactional support issue because those drives a lot of call center volume. It's very natural like for businesses to say, gosh, I have this massive pain. I'm almost like bleeding here. Can you agree? Just stop the bleeding, making sure uh, we can support our customer really well. And, uh, and then I start going uh, to pre-purchase. We see this very naturally um, to say, tackle the post-purchase transactional stuff, um, making sure in the case of a trouble or issue re- uh, arises, we can resolve the, 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 the issue very effectively to, our, to my customer. And then very quickly, the bar starts to move higher towards engagement. So not just resolving the issues anymore, it's about making good. And even solve the issue for the customer, but actually make good with the customer. But I can be very sophisticated in how we like to make good that actually take into account of the customers accredited with us. It's the loyal customer versus the first-time customer versus a customer maybe in the past has record of building our services. That <laughs> will treat them and all the way moving towards pre-purchase assistance and more product-related question assistance and more consulting buying experience. So that angle is we see the world is seeing now the potential of what automation can do is far beyond just uh, troubleshooting and resolving issues and much more moving towards the equation of engagement and uh, sales assistance. That's what you talked about. Do I really see this AI digital workforce that can sell versus just uh, can support? And the answer is that's exactly one of the, uh, the directions that uh, of growth uh, for us the three years to come. 
But the third one I would emphasize is kind of finalizing it's worthy to emphasize here. Uh, it's also an angle of expanding across industries, right? So we have recently uh, expanded uh, from the existing just primarily B2C brands and retailers, and certainly the mass local part of the retail is that, right? To be retail. Then we found that the ma- macro trend that's going on is the B2B retailers are learning from B2C retailers. They found that their business buyers used to be okay to do things on paper, <laughs> passing contracts, passing quotes, right? Through emails, through PDFs. And it's a very cumbersome and slow. But the business buyers also are evolving to be uh, 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 pushed by a massive trend of consumerization. And uh, we found that there's B2, the savviest the B2B players are starting seeing themselves to take the best practice in B2C world and coming in to completely transform their digital experience to supporting their business buyers. And most recently, we have expanded into partnering with some of the leaders in different B2B verticals, helping them to automate the whole quote requests process, right? Because the whole pre-purchase is even more complex for B2B buying behavior. It's not just the, hey, I like something, I add a shopping cart, I transact. There is a whole quote request and negotiation process. And the product finding experience is also way more complex. Many of the cases need to take into account the quantity of order, the lead time I, I afford to, to, to pay for, additional criteria that need to be taken into account to find the right product. All of those are actually areas where automation can make a massive impact to not only support the needs um, better and more efficiently without consumer people workforce, but actually get better results because of the availability, because of the instant access to massive amount of data um, and deliver the best results, the best recommendation to the customer, and lock in uh, and that sales right there at the moment that there's a customer uh, intent to buy. So those three axes all lead to very exciting transformative opportunities for the broad commerce industry that we're serving. And we're just excited to be part of that and to hopefully be really the um, driving force and push the envelope on what the best experience is. is. Wow. Okay. Wow. I I literally did not have have any expectation when I asked that question, but in (laughs) in summation, you're moving very far, very deep into literally every organization. Hey, as we wrap up, I always uh, like to ask a couple of questions of all the entrepreneurs we have. We have a lot of folks in uh, college kids that are listening that want to want to be in your shoes someday. So in wrapping up, what advice would you give uh, young entrepreneurs? Yeah, I have made so many mistakes. <laughs> if I would reflect on my humble entrepreneur journey, I even telling the team, think this is my second baby as an entrepreneur, but first time to really take the business to uh, through true growth phase and building an enterprise-focused SaaS business. But if I would think about perhaps the standout two learning aspects I would like to share with entrepreneurs, uh, the budding entrepreneurs would be Number one, don't be shy uh, about asking for help. I think this is a common advice often given to entrepreneurs these days. But I would emphasize on that. So what, here, what I mean by asking for help, it's not just about getting an entrepreneur mentor, right? Or building up a network with VCs, with fellow entrepreneurs to advise you and reach out to your potential customer, ask for help. And that's a particular angle of how I really encourage the entrepreneur to think about, especially in early days. 
um, and don't be shy to reach out for help. You can learn so much from your pros uh, prospective customers. Let it be you're building a B2C product or a B2B product like Link, especially in the B2B world. Uh, you can learn so much uh, from your enterprise customers or prospects. And then also that a fantastic relationship gets you that early cohort of early adopters and then give you an opportunity to avoid making critical product mistakes and to help you to be more successful finding that product market fit quickly. So ask for help, especially seeking out for help from your uh, prospective customers. And number two thing perhaps is empathy, right? And this is really something that more recently I recognize how important that is. As an entrepreneur, we all know learning about leadership is actually really important. But I think the empathy quality is often underrated when we talk about what it takes to be a good leader. Um, and here, when you think about empathy, not only empathy to your teammates, right? To the members on the team that reports to you, really understand how you can support them to be successful. But the empathy about the pain of your customers are having, truly invest, uncover that, and build a relationship and a report with your customer. You always come from the angle of customer centricity. And once you do that, you will see the magic. It's not only impacting your leadership style, the effectiveness of that leadership. It actually allows you to build a better product. I always felt I really only recently recognized that the best product are the ones at the product level exhibits its empathy to the pain points of their customers. So I'll stop there. But that will be the two things I perhaps in reflection found is my humble learning potentially can be helpful for others. <laughs> yeah. Two things that I heard that was really interesting. Um, always ask for help or ask uh, help of potential customers, which I've never heard before from any of the other startups I've interviewed, which I couldn't agree more with. If you're trying to solve a problem, there's a reason it's a problem. It's a problem for somebody that would like a solution. So I think that's interesting. And the second thing you said that is really, re I really want to emphasize is the idea of empathy. And I'll just tell you a quick story and, and you'll laugh. I was sitting at a sort of a startup, I don't know, showcase and one of the young, very young entrepreneurs, very smart person get, got up and s initially made fun of retailers at how silly they were, that they really didn't understand their own business processes. And he was here to solve that, or I shouldn't say, that person was here <laughs> to solve that problem. And I'm sitting with three, three CIOs, all my age, and this you could see the steam coming out of their ears. Now, I don't think, I think it was a silly, funny line that he thought was really fun to all the young 20-something engineers. But I'm telling you, I guarantee you, those three people I was sitting with would not do an ounce of business with that person for that one silly little throwaway line. But it just sounded so disrespectful. I think you're. I think that was really spot on. In wrapping up, let me ask you one last question: What skills do you use now? Do you wish you would have paid more attention to back in your college days or, or the early part of your career? <laughs> okay, awesome uh, question. Then I could uh, think of so many, right? The leadership, et cetera, et cetera. But I would point out if I put out one, I would say design thinking. Here's what I see. I think regardless you pursue a career in tech engineering or product design, or I would say design thinking is perhaps really important for, for all kinds of roles, because I think, right. And with design thinking, if as engineers, you can build a better product, more elegant technology, you can, uh, again, develop a better understanding of the end user's need. And, uh, and in business, with design thinking training, 
world experiences actually allows you to think about the whole journey of how your customer learn about your product, how they consume your product. This is not just a B2C product that you directly sell to the consumer. This is not just for B2B SaaS. For really any businesses, when you want to tackle go-to-market and growth, when you want to make sure you build a product that addresses the needs, you ultimately need to think about the experiences that your um again, customer, prospective customer will have in, in, in learning about what you can do for them. So the design thinking is much more than just able to, you know, draw out the things and flows of charts of a product design spec, but that mindset can transit into impact you making better decisions, gaining better insights and have keen eyes on what you otherwise may miss throughout so many different functions, engineering, entrepreneurship and beyond. So I would say that's perhaps a singular a skill set that I would emphasize. I wish I could learn that. I don't think even when I was in school, this was such a thing. But I think there is now. And I do think it is still underemphasized that there should be more design thinking training for any for students in any subject area, really. Well, that's a probably a good place to put a pin in it. Thank you so much, uh, Fong, today for all that uh, thought. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeff. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. For more info, refer to the pod notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us grow. I'm your host, Jeff Roster, analyst at large. If you want to connect, follow us on Twitter at JeffPR or at Brian Nation, or connect with us on LinkedIn. Visit my website at roster.retail.com or brians at iterate.ai. Until next time, stay safe and have a great week.